I'm Eddie Kraywick. I'm Andrew Hines. I'm Angel Sampe, and this is The Skinny. From Fathead Studios in Speedway, Indiana, this is The Skinny. We have an exciting show coming your way today with one of the most iconic teams in all of motorsports. When you think about NHRA and some of the big names, well, certainly Force, Coletta, and Schumacher would come to mind. But one would be remiss if they didn't also include the team, Vance and Hines. The team and the company have been winning for 40 years, and we have all three very talented and extremely successful riders on the show. We both tune our own motorcycles, so Andrew's Andrew's crew chief on Angel's and, and his, and kind of he oversees mine, and I kind of do my own thing with mine, and we it's because we all have... We think the same on a lot of stuff, but we still have a little bit of a different view. And by doing that, it allows us to kind of try two or three different setups every race. And what I mean by that is we take what I'm doing over here. We take what he's doing over here and we take what hers is usually somewhere in the middle of our two. And now when we make one run down the track, we now have three runs of data. And what that allows us to do is usually going into Saturday, going the right direction. We've been struggling, I would say, as a team. Maybe the results last year didn't show it as much, but I would say we struggled. We didn't, we didn't run where we think we should have uh, with any of our motorcycles. Her bike, the greatest thing about it is, and we've never had this luxury, is it's got so much ballast on it and weight where it needs to be. Like her tuning window is, is, is the garage door. <laughs> Andrews and mine is like the window on the garage. Yeah, I was going to (laughs) say run into one little section of that window and that's where ours is. And that's a huge benefit uh, because like when the track gets greasy on us, uh, a really tight track, we might be able to go 105 consistently. Her bike goes 103, 104. Track gets really bad, greasy. And NHRA's kind of changed their prep procedures and everything that they've done in the last year to kind of harness the top fuel guys. And and what I'd like to say is kind of slow the sport down. but our stuff will go 108, 109, and tend to knock the tire off, and her stuff goes 105. And we're like, man, what the hell do we got to do? It's like we got to cut our legs off and, and you know, put an extra 40 pounds on the front of the bike. And that's what we love about it. And if you, if you race at a, at a level to win a championship, all those little minute things that become so important. I mean, to get, in, to get into the hunt is one thing, but to then be good enough to actually go out and win is a whole other thing. And... And like you said, I mean, just that, that two or three pounds over the front tire that that can make a difference, you know, and a couple of hundreds, two, three hundreds in, in your first 60 foot. And then the rest of the deal's done. You know, it's, it's over right there. So it's just incredible how how important those little details are. We, we've tried racing. The, I'd say the success of my career was always ride and race to be there and be good all the time. Don't do stupid mistakes and try not to push it too hard. And if you have a really good motorcycle under you and you are really good that day, chances are you're going to win. Yeah, there's not a lot of times where we come back to the trailer and the, our, well, probably really never, that our crew guys are just disappointed in, <laughs> in what we did. You know, we, they understand that we've done enough to get where we are now that if we go out there and, you know, we might have a bad light and cut a 50 or 60 and get beat on a whole shot. And that's probably the great thing about our team is they're, they're not, yeah. Ever they're, they're, they they kind of go with the flow. Nobody's you know? dejected. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. man, you screwed up. We you come back to the trailer and, and tear down and move on to the next race. That's kind of our our mentality. We don't the the preparation we do at our shop here in Brownsburg is uh is is really I mean that's 
all our work is done here. We, yeah. we get to the track and we you, people may not see us working that much at the racetrack because we've done so much preparation to get to each and every event. You see some other teams out there and there's chaos going on sometimes and it's just that's they're, just they're not... rolling in the track no motors in the bikes no nothing yeah. bikes are all apart got to put them together you know and it's like we say we go to the track to race we don't go to the track to work and races are won and lost at the shop yeah. if i go out there and, and i fail to perform i really feel bad for the guys on the team because they're the ones that are putting it on the line they're leaving their families they're they're at the shop endless hours when we ask them to be and uh if if there's some reason we don't turn on our wind light because it's a rider's fault that's uh that's when it comes home to hit me that hey i just let my team down and but we come back to the trailer and they just they fight through it and they say hey we'll move on to the next one we'll get them i mean we even told angel that when she came aboard that was the number one thing was we're not gonna sit here yell at you and beat you up because like terry's terry's probably only ever called me twice after like a loss and not to yell at me to ask me hey what are you thinking but um it's it's like you go through these funks as drivers or racers or whatever it may be and um you got to battle out of that and that's the key and that's what i told angel is there's no extra pressure you're not trying to prove anything to us you're here because we know you can do it if you make a mistake you make a mistake just learn off your mistake as long as you don't make that same mistake twice or three times we're all good and i i think that's the key to to really the fine balance of being a racer to a championship caliber racer yeah, nobody carries that nasty attitude. If there's a nasty attitude on the team, that person's got to go. Yeah. So it only takes one to, to ruin all of that atmosphere, that chemistry that's so critical to winning a championship. And, and I agree with you. Everybody knows they're good. Everybody's really good at their job. And you have a ton of confidence in all of your colleagues on that team. And when somebody makes a mistake, it's like, hey, man, I made a mistake. It happens. <laughs> yeah. You know, everybody buckle down. We've got the best in the business. Let's just, we'll go get them next time. And I think it makes it even better when you go back and you say, I screwed that up. Yeah. You know, you don't go back like, yeah, I, yeah, I just, the clutch lever fell off. You know, it's like, no, you let the clutch lever out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, no, I mean, it's just the way it is. I've got to ask you, Eddie, because I have to get an impartial answer. I can't ask him. And Angel hasn't been on the team long enough. The same level of engineering intelligence that Byron has, has that, has that acorn fallen close to the tree with both Matt and Andrew? Do you see that with those two? Uh, it's kind of the same thing right now because Andrew for sure thinks about the technical side of it. I, I think, you know, Matt does it the old school way where, you, you know, you're just kind of the trial and error where you're thinking and you're doing stuff. He's thinking about it on the engineering side of it and trying to put a theory or a reason behind it. And that's the the way that you can kind of print out your roadmap. And what I mean by that is when you have proof and you say, this is why it works, not, well, I'm on, it works, but I'm unsure why it works. So when you know, when you go back to it the second time, it's going to work. It's not a question of if it is or isn't. Um, I mean, we've kind of done that with our motorcycles, with programs and clutch programs and everything we've done over the last probably two years has a, has a, a road to why we did it and a path to how we got there. Uh, Matt's been an instrumental part of the whole program from when he came on back in 2003, basically all the way on to, uh, to the last two years. And he still is uh, back at the shop. Matt's been back at the shop working, doing things like that. He's the one that designed the, the chassis that we're riding on now. Um, we've kind of went to the next evolution with Angel's because being that her bike is a little bit heavier than ours, it, it it needs different tubes in certain places or thicker stuff because you're hanging so much weight. I mean, there was a couple of races last year. We broke frame rails on her bike. We didn't even know it till, you know, we didn't like telling her, you know, because she was like, <laughs> Oh my God, these guys are going to touch my motorcycle. 
and you go walking in the shop and the thing's all apart and she's like guys we got to go racing tomorrow and it's like oh we're only 45 minutes from having it together you know and it's like there's no way but uh it's about making sure i think first and foremost everybody that gets on that motorcycle is comfortable but to answer your question in, in the short one I think it takes the engineering side of it nowadays because what you're racing against is in all of racing is brain trusts in each camp and you have to match that brain trust. So Andrew, are you, do you build stuff on the computer? Do you run simulations Mm -hmm. versus say, like you said, Matt old school, like I know if we do this, this, it should work. We'll try this, but you're running simulations, right? Yeah. We have CFD and FEA analysis on our SolidWorks stations and, uh, you know, the whole chassis is designed in CAD. It's designed to be stiff in certain areas and flexible in others. Um, all the bodywork and all the airbox pieces and all that was designed in CAD, cut in our shop at Vance and Hines uh, for the carbon molds and things. And it's just kind of, you know, it's one of those things. I ke- you can't turn it off. You go home at night, and I close my eyes and think about family, but what my eyes are seeing is what's on the computer for the next day. So that's, uh, it's an unfortunate thing, but uh, it's part of the Well, it's not a job for you. It's your life. Right. You know, yeah, you live and breathe it whole different thing i'd like to add a little bit if you don't mind absolutely Um, jump in there yeah i can't i can't bring back the feedback to the trailer like andrew and eddie do with the motorcycle like he said there's a lot of rider input and you have to know whether to believe the motorcycle data or the rider i'm not there yet and i don't know if i ever will be able to give them the information that they can bring back so Andrew is exceptional at watching my runs, whether he's standing on the starting line or or viewing the video, or even sometimes he's come back with changes after watching the television show. Um, He has so much to do with the success of my motorcycle. And I know that I didn't show it last year, but I hope to show it this year, how awesome he is at not only, you know, designing the things that I need. I mean, he designed the the, the brake lever and the, the seat for me. There's so many things he's done to make me comfortable on that motorcycle, but he's also helping me drive it just from watching me with the little feedback that I can give him. So what he's able to do on the engineering side of it to me is amazing. Just like you, I had no idea what he was capable of. I've learned so much over the last year and I brag on him all the time. I don't know if I make him uncomfortable or not, but he is truly amazing and i couldn't have ridden the bike as well as i can today without him and even eddie i mean they've both just been amazing at helping me learn how to do it but andrew's really made me comfortable and done everything that he can do to make that bike fit me to a t i mean if you're going to schmooze somebody it might as well be the owner's son right (laughs) (laughs) i'm just kidding with you i'm just kidding with you well i mean it was 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 just laying up there i had to at least hit it you know it's like on chill remember that one day you said something bad (laughs) well it was like er early on you know we're both giving her information and then we talked and we both came into the agreement it's better if one person just kind of picks and says you know this is what you should do because otherwise you start getting direction from too many areas i mean that was that was part of matt's deal when i came on the team it was hey if eddie fails you fail that was what Matt kind of got told, and that's what he got told. And, uh, you know, so it's that's the important part. And that was kind of the whole deal with Angel coming aboard. It was like, hey, this, you know, we're bringing the girl on underneath you two guys. This is on you two guys to make sure she goes down the track. I want to see her succeed. He wants to see her succeed. None of us, none of our team guys want to see her fail. I mean, we want to make sure she could win. And, uh, you know, that goes for me. It goes for him. Unfortunately, at the end of the day, there's only going to be one winner. Uh, whether it's him, me, or her, I don't really care because I think it's a team win at that point. I'm kind of at that point in my career where 
I'm past having to win. It doesn't mean, you know, it doesn't mean that I don't want to win. I want to win. But it also means to me that if I'm part of the crew or I'm part of this success to get to that trophy, you accomplish something. You didn't accomplish it if nobody got it. And I would rather see somebody get it than in my camp than somebody else get it. Yeah, I mean, a goal of finishing first, second, third in the points would be, oh, yeah. uh, you know, an incredible effort, you know, out of the team. And everybody's a winner, you know, at that point. And everybody comes back and, and gets to play again the next year, too. So super important. Hey, Angel, I want to ask you something. Uh, you say you don't know that you could come back with the information that these guys are coming back with. But I, I want you to go back into the, your championship years when you won three of them in a row and what was it like with George at the time? I mean, when you, I'm, I'm guessing George played Andrew's part where he was watching and had a, had a bunch of information to give you, but what were you coming back to feed George at the time? Did you feel like you had the information that these guys give back now? Yeah, I think so back then because I, I was so used to the Suzuki. I knew every single thing it was supposed to feel like if something changed, I knew it changed. And there's still a bit of information overload on the Harley Davidson that I'm just not where they are yet. I'm still, I'm consciously working on so many things where they can do so many things subconsciously that I can't do. It's just a lot of information to take in. You know, I, I'm getting better at it. I, I know if it lays off at the top of a gear a little bit more than I used to, but not like them. I mean, they can come back and they can tell you from the bottom of the gear to the top of the gear, if any little bitty thing went wrong. And I just can't feel that yet. Um, I'm getting there. I hope to get there. But like I said, if I if I don't, Andrew pays attention so well. Um, he just he knows what to do. There's just been times we've been we've met downstairs at the hotel for breakfast and he walks in and he says, hey, I haven't I thought about it last night and I know what we're going to do. And then he'll change something. He, he's changed my riding style. You know, one morning he said, we're going to try this. And then he's you know, he's changed things on the bike. We're going to try this. And every time he says that, it gets better and better and better. He hasn't made a wrong decision yet. So I wish I could give more data and I'm going to really try to do that this year. You know, I'm going to try to learn and pay attention to what the bike's doing, but I know that if I can't, I'm still in good hands. I, I know we'll, I'll get one of those yellow hats this year. I'm pretty confident about it. Hey, I got another, another question for you. Um, reading some of what Matt did back in the day, I think he had been to uh, in those first five races or something like that, but had yet to reach a final and the bike was fast. And he said he had a secret conversation with Terry. <laughs> and then the next, the next race, he went to the final round and then he won the two following races back to back. So I'm curious if you had a secret conversation with Terry or has Matt ever told you about that secret conversation? And the same to you, Eddie. I'm not sure if Matt ever shared that with it's, me. It's a uh, that's a new one. It's for me. probably it was probably part of a bonus incentive program. <laughs> like, hey, if you win this race, you get fifty percent of the bike earnings. You know, it's like, uh, you know, I, your dad won, <laughs> I won. You're the only one stinking it up here. Maybe pick up the pace, huh? <laughs> you know, I, I kind of went through that early on in my career with the team, and you know, it was like it was like instant success. I jump on a motorcycle, I go to Gainesville, oh seven, and I, I you know, I, I tested. I think I rode the bike. I think I made eight passes before I went to Gainesville and we go to Gainesville and I go to the semis tore all sort of up broke, you know, broke two <laughs> motors, just not my fault, but I mean, stuff just broke. And it was like, man, I went right to the semis. I was like, this, this is going to be good. And then, you know, second race was like, okay, I think second round, then second round. Then I had a DMQ in Atlanta and I'm like, Oh, this sucks. And, partially it was because of me i was having a hard time riding the track and 
I never really rode a bar bike in Atlanta and the right lane pulls you hard, right? And I was on a run that would have put me clearly into the middle of the field and the, th- the thing just hooked hard right in the right lane and I had to shut it off. And I'm like, man, DNQ, I couldn't believe that. And so I kind of went through that whole path. And the next thing you know, I, I started doing pretty good towards the middle part of the year, went to some finals with Andrew and the other lane and Brainerd and stuff. And next thing you, I went to a final in uh se- semifinal lost in Denver, my throttle cable broke and then went to the final in Sonoma and the bike bog against Matt Smith. I mean, I could tell you, we can all, tell you all the races yeah, that were bad. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, so it's like, okay, so I'm going to all these final rounds and then, Oh eight, I go out there and I'm like a gangbuster going to finals and I still can't win a damn race. What the hell? And then finally Oh nine rolls in and, I win a race. I win Atlanta, my first place that I had a DNQ on the Harley. So it was like a bittersweet deal. But it's it's so crazy. On I really do believe once you get there and you learn your path to winning, you learn how to not overthink it. And that's the key. Like, man, as soon as I started winning in Atlanta in, in 09, it was like win, win. And then, you know, finals, finals, finals. And, and it and just. I'm like, what did we get ourselves into here? <laughs> it, it just, it just, it all clicked and it worked. And I really think it's about understanding how to get there. But even more so, it's about calming your nerves, knowing that you have the ability. And once you know you have the ability in a champion's mind, you become unstoppable. What was that mindset like? I mean, you're coming to the end of the year, you've got a shot at this championship. And, you know, you're, hey, man, I can win this championship. I haven't won a freaking race all year long. You know, which one do you want to win the most? Of course, a championship is is there. It's like, that's going to solidify my ride for next year. I got to hang on to this, but (laughs) I want to freaking win, man. (laughs) I, I, to this day, I still am confused about that championship. Like it, 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 I won the championship. I mean, clearly, but I still don't feel like I won the championship. Like, yeah, I didn't either. I didn't feel like you won it either. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I was but, pretty mad but about it. It's like I tell everybody, I'm like, the year that I feel like I won the championship was actually 09 when I lost it by two points to Arana because I went out there. I went to 11 final rounds, won, I think, eight races, nine races that year. Um, I, I crushed it. I killed it. And it, it was like at the end of the year, I had nothing to show for it. You know, it was like, OK, I didn't win the championship. One right. of those years where any other time what you did would have certainly won the championship, but it was only good enough yeah. for second place. Yeah, I mean, Formula year. One yeah. guys, Formula One guys were commenting on on my championship deal. Everybody like that was a huge thing across the motorsports industry. Was man, that guy just won a championship. People are saying, well, you shouldn't have won a championship if you didn't win a race and this. And I'm like, well, I won from being consistent. That's the way I viewed it. I was the most consistent rider all year long through that segment, and uh, you know, it, it's great. I love it. It's to me now. It's it's like the icing on my cake. That's a story that you could just second talk about. person, only second person in <laughs> yeah. HRA history yep. to do that. Yep. And and he had a couple of wins yeah, in the previous Ruins. year. Yeah. So you had zero wins and did it. So you do hold that honor, I that think. I'll give you the nod. That was what, Gary Beck in 1980 or something like that? It wasn't Gary yeah. Beck. It was um, Rob Bruins. Yeah. Rob Bruins. Yeah. Okay. But that was around, what, eight? Eight races a year, yeah. or something like that. Yeah, it was like, here we right. are racing 16, 17 events a year, and you would think you'd at some way you'd find some. <laughs> now, it wasn't a points race. He did win the money at the yeah, battle. Yeah, I won year, the battle so that year. He did have some hardware. It wasn't a wall. Something, but I got the big paper check that's seventy five grand and a crystal ball, a crystal trophy. So that was cool. But man, it's it is it's an interesting ordeal. But uh, I don't know. It's still one of those weird things. I still say it to this day. The championship year for me was 09 when I didn't win it. 
So what typically goes on behind the scenes at the racetrack? Are you guys nudging each other all the time? Is there always something going on? I mean, you see, we all see the, the, the Penske games going on with New Garden and Pagano and, you know, all those guys are always doing something silly. You guys, uh, is, there, is there ongoing stuff behind the, behind the doors of the trailer? Oh, there's constant ribbon going on. It's just, uh, you find, if, if anybody shows one little weakness, then our team has, has a way Gravity. of honing in on <laughs> yeah. it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you find that little rift and you just, you know, slam it open with a, with a, a knife. But we, yeah, we have, we have a couple of guys on it, you know, like Scott, our guy, our engine guy, Scott, he's like, he's quirky. Yeah. He, he, but man, he just, he leads himself right into that road, and it's like, you watch, I'm going to rip the hell out of him right here. And it's just, you blast him. And it makes it fun. I mean, those guys, well, I, I was going to say, I kind of got the nickname Haskell, Eddie Haskell. You know, that's because <laughs> it's just the way it fell, and that's what our truck driver, Ray, calls us. Ray works on my bike. Mike Mike Mullaney is on uh, is on Andrew's bike. And then my brother, actually, we brought aboard last year, works on Angel's bike. So, uh, we have an interesting dynamic. Everybody works along. I think Angel could probably give you the most insight on that because she was the one that would always be in the trailers outside of ours. Uh-huh. So everybody always said, well, you could bleep here. So it's like, oh, there's the, you know, it's like when you're uh-huh. any, they don't have any fun in that trailer, you, you know, no but personality. it's like, we no are there fun. to race. When you see us, we're there racing. We're thinking about And the reason why we don't have any fun at that particular point is because we're thinking. We're constantly walking around thinking. But when the time comes to have fun, you got to have fun. If you're not, it's it, true. it makes yeah. a total stress environment. I mean, mo- most I mean, nights one of the things we're all is walking when, around when, with a red solo cup. And when Eddie's driving the rental car, it's... <laughs> You better to just wear your helmet. So that's what I'm going to start doing this year. I'm going to wear. She's my helmet sitting all the way in the back. She's like, you hear like. Ah. <laughs> she started. She started bringing uh, uh, motion sickness pills with her to the race as she's sitting in the back of the minivan. I know how Eddie yeah. drives from. Yeah. I've watched him at bottom of the barrel a couple couple of nights. All the bottom of the barrel drag races. I've told Andrew about that on like Memorial Day. Jimmy Monday. the shoe. Yeah, with Harrington, and I mean, we we'd all pot, you know. Heck, I've raced the ten. I was going ten eighties in, uh, in in my cousin Chevelle at the time against Harrington with nine people on the golf cart going like thirteen thirty. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, to to like the the, the sixty foot thirteen thirty. But he's we he was running out. I think he dialed in like thirty one seconds, and I dialed ten eighty. And uh, it was the weirdest thing coming up on a golf cart going like thirty miles an hour, and I'm going a buck ten. You know, it was pretty cool. But so Angel, talk to me about that situation where. Your husband had left, and there was a motorcycle sitting there, and he said, hey, man, ride that thing a little bit and make sure the cobwebs don't grow on it. God, you know you know them stories way back, don't you? Those are the days I try to forget about. But, yeah, that was true. We, um, I was married to a guy named Kevin. He went off to the Gulf War, and he had a motorcycle that he didn't want to go bad sitting there. And so he didn't mean for me to take it to the racetrack and drag race it, though. He just meant, like, take it around the block every once in a while. <laughs> and when he came home, it was stripped. I mean, stripped to the bone. We had taken the headlight, the blinkers, you know, cut the seat, did everything we could do to it, um, put wheelie bars on it. I think I had an air shifter. I can't remember. Um, but I was drag racing it. It was, no, it was not going to be on the street ever again. So he wasn't too happy at first. But, uh, you know, went to the track with me and fell in love with the sport himself. And we started together. So that's where my career began. So thanks to that motorcycle that he left behind or I probably wouldn't be here today. Yeah, I read that story and I'm like, that's pretty cool. A guy comes back and 
She he she did what I asked her to do, I guess. You know, I didn't know she was gonna. I didn't know you had stripped it and cut the seat and all that stuff as oh, well. Yeah. I thought you just it put was, a slick and wheelie bars no on. It was more good to the street after that. But um, I, I got off of that bike. I ended up buying a friend's motorcycle. It was a Super Comp uh, Suzuki Super Comp bike. Did that for a little while, and then found out about Frank Holly's drag racing school and wanted to go there. Never ha- had never been on a big tire bike. That was my biggest fear, but that was completely eliminated after the first burnout. Um, and you know, the rest of the story is got hired from Frank Holly's drag racing school by George and started racing with star racing. I mean, my career started when I was six years old on dirt bikes. That's where I, I began racing motocross with my brother and my dad. And it just evolved over my whole life. So I'm completely obsessed and addicted to motorcycles and started racing against the Vance and Hines team, like we talked about before and wanted to beat them more than anything in the world. And then I thought my career was over actually a couple of years ago when, you know, lost my deal again and figured it's time for me to stay home again. I had already retired once and I'm, if I retire again, I'm not coming back this time. And then Andrew and Eddie called and asked if I was going to be at the PRI show and uh, offered to have breakfast with me, which was really strange. You know, why, why do these guys even are even, these guys must be bringing me to make fun of me about losing my gig. What are you going to do? Poison my pancakes? Or what's going exactly. on here? And it, the really weird part was, so they take me to, what was it guys? The Flapjacks. breakfast joint? Flapjacks. Yep. Flapjacks. So it's like, that's where everybody goes to eat breakfast, right? All the racers are in there. Oh, the and best Brownsburg me, has to offer right there. Yeah, And they're telling me nobody can know about this, this meeting we're having. And then what the hell are you taking me to Flapjacks for? <laughs> so we're, we're in there and the whole time we're sitting at a table, they're constantly looking, looking at the door, looking up, see who's walking in, who's looking at us. I'm like, this is so weird. I don't know if they're planning to kill we me. We were just looking to stick her with the bill. We were like, we could tell if somebody's coming to go like this and get the bill and leave. I, I really had no idea why I was there. I had thought that maybe they would ask me to ride on the team. And then I laughed at myself because that was just utterly ridiculous. That's never going to happen. I didn't know why they wanted me there. And then we started talking about the possibility of putting a third bike and would I be interested in riding on a team? Yes. Yes. That's how fast I answered it. <laughs> you know, we're, we're thinking about putting a third bike. Would you be? Yes. Yes. And they said, well, don't you want to hear, you know, hear what's going on before you say yes? I'm like, nope. Yes. No, you, you had it. me at breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Made her eat donuts. Donuts is like her week, her, her, her week, you know, it's her kryptonite, let's just say. So I don't know why they want to get me to get fat, but they're constantly trying to make me eat. And even Andrew, you know, I have so much respect for Andrew. I'll say to tell you how awesome he is. He had a New Year's resolution that he was oh. going to not have any sauces for the whole year so he could lose a little weight, right? So we get to the very first dinner <laughs> this year in Orlando, and he orders some sauce dip or something. I don't know. And I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought you said no sauces. This was in March, right? Three months into the New Year's resolution, he goes, oh, that didn't last the first week. <laughs> So I was like, how am I going to stay on this diet that I want to be on when Eddie's sticking donuts in my face constantly? Andrew's ordering every fattening appetizer on the menu. They should be 240 pounds. I don't understand how they eat what they eat, and they're not big. They're little. They, you can't even tell. I mean, it's, they have it's a deal disgusting. like they have a, the same deal my wife has with me. She, she, here's the thing she eats, and I gain the weight. <laughs> It's a partnership. So they've got somebody with them that, you know, they eat and then yeah. somebody else gains the weight. That's yeah. funny. Yeah, I read that um, that at the age 13, your parents were finally trying to get you off a motorcycle and said, we have a son, we want a daughter. 
mm-hmm. but uh, but it was a battle. You didn't want to do it, and then you've maintained that. So you're also heavily involved in MMA. Is that correct? Yeah, that's how I met my husband. We I was training in MMA. I'm a jujitsu girl, and he did full blown cage fighting. But um, they that's a true story too. My dad forbid me to ride anymore because he was sick of the tomboy I had turned into. So my mom attempted to put me in beauty pageants thinking that they would fix me. And uh, <laughs> the only thing it did was made me even more competitive. You know, it was another way to compete. And we found that I was in all these pageants. We, I mean, we were doing 10, 12, 15 a year. And I was getting third runner up, second runner up, first runner up at just about every one, but never queen. And so my mom decided she was going to go in and ask the judges what could we do to get her over the hill to where she would, you know, get that title? And um, they told her that one thing we could work on is to get me to talk about something other than motorcycles, because in my <laughs> interview, every question they'd ask, it would I'd somehow lead into talking about motorcycles. But I mean, it's just something that I've held true to my whole life. I'm I can hear a motorcycle coming from five miles away and nobody else hears it, and then you know five minutes later they're like, oh, there it is. I just I love it. But yeah, I did. I did the pageant thing. We did everything to try to keep me off the bikes, but it never worked. And I'm now my mom and dad are my biggest fans. You know, they fought me for the longest time, but they're the most proud of me now. I can hear it now. Let's make the world a better place, and everybody should ride motorcycles. <laughs> so thanks to all three of you. Best of luck. Hopefully we get through this quarantine deal that, uh, that we're all battling, and we can get back to racing. I know the fans want it. We want it. Uh, I'm not sure what this schedule is going to look like, but we'll battle through 2020 here and hopefully put it behind us and and move on to 2021. But best of luck going forward. Absolutely a pleasure to have people of your status in here and and see who you are. Just good, hardworking people, you know, that that love to race. And I think that's what's great about this racing industry. So thanks a lot. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you. That's it. We'll wrap it up. Another show here. Now you know the skinny behind Vance and Hines. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Skinny. To watch the video versions of all of our shows, please visit our YouTube channel, Fatheads TV. Be sure to check out all the latest sun and optical eyewear at fatheads.com. Special thanks to our sponsorship partners at Elliott's Custom Trailers and Carts. This has been a production of Fathead Studios. Please remember to subscribe.